0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Scooter came over and uh, he's like, you know what would be great for this? Drake. Hold (laughs) on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, future's going to come tomorrow. It was the craziest thing I've ever
2: seen. Who Um, can do that? What's up guys welcome back to watch time this week i am thrilled to have jackson dahl on is that how i pronounce your name
1: yes Dahl, like the author yes
2: jackson dahl on the podcast jackson jackson is a founding team member of hundred thieves one of the biggest esports orgs in the world and i think elliot and i are just super keen to pick his brain on the story of hundred thieves his relationship with some members of the team there and what his predictions and thoughts are for the future of esports and orgs so welcome jackson thank you so much for taking time to to be here
1: thank you guys I'm I'm really excited to be here Elliot obviously was on our uh courage and nadeshot show a few weeks ago so I'm I'm not Shot, but still glad to return
0: the favor it's the only reason way, he's uh, here it's, it's tit for tat it's 100 percent transactional <laughs> exactly
2: you say you're not nadeshot but I feel like one of the things that got me really excited about getting into the industry was I was always fascinated by the entertainment industry but I feel like as much as people were fascinated with like the faces and the talent of the of the the business. I was always super interested in the people behind the scenes and the people that are making these things happen on the day to day. So I'm actually super keen. Matt, we wouldn't want you anyway. No, <laughs> we would. we'd have him on at some point for sure. But um, yeah, definitely super, super keen um, to have you. Well,
1: I'm, I'm stoked to be here. And I, I think you, you touched on it, which is uh, the most successful entertainers and kind of superstars, I think, uh, very clearly uh, understand what they're amazing at, and understand where they need help. Um, and and I think Matt's done a good job of that.
0: Um, yeah. With everyone other than me, he got stuck with me. But I I always I always love doing the esports chats, like when we get someone on from esports on the podcast because for me it's the it's the weirdest area of this whole industry. <laughs> I think I think I've got a pretty good grasp on like entertainment and gaming, and like I've done it five or six years now. Know the people, know like the the ins and outs esports is just this thing that i look at and i'm like i i i don't get it i just don't get it i don't get you and me
1: both why, you and me both what I've, is going on three there? years in
0: why are people spending 60 million dollars on this team for a game that's probably going to be irrelevant in like two years from now i don't know just like there so many questions but probably rewind before i get to all those questions. <laughs> yeah let's
1: we, we'll, we'll get to it i'm sure
0: yeah first up i guess the basic question is how how did it all like start for you guys like go, going back to the hundred thieves days like when you all met when you decided that an org would be a really really good idea
2: cuz i think i did a little bit of research on you today cuz i was trying to work out what the origin story of you and matt is or you matt and john and i i couldn't quite work it out but i think i'd be really keen to know like How that relationship started? Were you friends before? Did you come together for Hundred Thieves?
1: Well, so I think the story has been told maybe a couple times, but not super publicly. And and you mentioned three uh, or two really important people: Matt, aka Nadeshot, and John Robinson, our COO and president. Um, There's another person uh, who's really important to the to kind of the uh, the origins of at least this version of Hundred Thieves. Uh, a guy called Blake Robbins. You can find him on Twitter at BlakeIR. I'm going to have to give him a I shout out. I do follow
2: out. him on Twitter, he's a, yeah. <laughs> he's a great
1: guy. Uh, but long story short, and, and to kind of t- tell the story as, as fast as I can, um, my background as well as John's, at least for a little while, John John's older than me and, and much more successful. But John was a gaming exec who then took a brief detour to invest in gaming companies and specifically look at eSports teams as, a, as an investment opportunity. I was doing something fairly similar, not not focused on eSports specifically, but doing early stage technology investing um, and a little bit of media as well, and, and had kind of dabbled in, and looked at gaming and eSports. And this guy, Blake, uh, was another investor. So John, Blake, and I were all doing the same thing roughly. And Blake uh, had this crazy idea to... Um, partner uh, or to, to pair up his favorite gaming creator, Nadeshot, who he'd, he'd followed for years and somehow got him to follow back on Twitter after DMing him a hundred times. And uh, Dan Gilbert in his camp. So Dan owns uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and started Quicken Loans. And Blake's basically has a relationship with Dan through, through their investment funds. So Blake's pitch was like, hey, Dan, you don't need to start the Cavs esports division. You don't need to go buy a team. Let's Nadeshot is here and waiting. He has this brand, Hundred Thieves, and I think we could help him a lot. And that was sort of the original um, idea for it. And then basically, Blake looped me in, and later looped John in because um, we knew each other through through the, the investing side. And I was I was taking some time off at the time to try to figure out what I wanted to do. I was thinking about maybe leaving investing and going to try to build something. Um, Blake and I nerded out about gaming all the time. I think we met, we met on Twitter, but we met in person for the first time at the 2016 League of Legends, uh, championship in, in LA. Uh, and I, I must've been summer of 2017, Blake reached out or, or late summer, they had applied to Riot Games franchise for, for League of Legends. And he said, Hey, this is coming together. I think we're going to get the franchise spot and we need a team. Um, would you have any interest in meeting Nadeshot? Um, and I was a little skeptical. Um, just kind of like, certainly not being in this world and being like, oh, YouTuber CEO, like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Uh, and it, that was compounded by the fact that I, I got put in touch with Matt. And then I think it took like 10 texts and like cancellations to finally get a, get a hold of him. Um, and then we finally Sounds had like dinner. Sounds like a YouTuber. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a, little did I know Matt, Matt is, Matt is certainly not the typical YouTuber, but uh, finally we got dinner in the fall. And at the end of that meeting, he's like, so do you want to do you want to work on this or not? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Uh, I think I do. Uh, so that that yeah. was sort of the 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 original. Um, that must have been like October. They got the 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 riot spot in November, and I joined full time um, around then. And then John joined shortly after, and he had he had been in talks with them for a while. So that was that was kind of the initial group working alongside Nate Shot and Dan and Blake in their their investment team. Um, and yeah. I think Matt, to his credit, really I alluded to this earlier. Um, had the Hundred Thieves brand, had had done some stuff on the merchandise side, um, but really realized, hey, if this is going to work best, I should lean into my strengths and let um, let some folks come in and help me with the business side and some of this other stuff. So that was that, that's as short as I can make it. Blake uh, again, and Matt would tell you this too. I think is the unsung hero of Hundred Thieves because he kind of rallied the troops all together. Dan, to, yeah. you know, John and me and and Matt. So
2: and at that point, what was Hundred Thieves like? Because it seems like from an outside perspective, I feel like, I don't, I don't know, Elliot, like when was the first time you and I started talking about 100 Thieves? Because I feel like it went from zero to 100 so quick.
0: I mean, like, I've, um, I think I've been aware of it since the start, because obviously, like, I've, I've always, you know, kind of, like, been aware of... of- nature and like or, or what he was always up to. And I think it, it originally was really, I mean, I think it's biggest asset once again, I could be totally remembering this wrong was like largely the kind of clothing branded side of it. Right. Like I, I just remember from the outset it having like it, it, it always being regarded as like a, a cool brand, but I remember that I, I don't actually remember fully registering as much on the esports side. I, I obviously know that was like part of his goal. But I feel like the um, at least what I knew of it was largely oh the guys that do the cool merch, um, but yeah, that, I, I could yeah. be I could be getting my timelines all, con- all confused. You're
1: you're directionally right. It, it's a little it's a little complicated because essentially what Hundred Thieves really was on the onset, um, and this was way before it was a company or anything like that. Um, and this is after Nate Shot had left Optic and was was doing the YouTube thing. It was really like a creative outlet. Um, and and Matt tells the story of like I wanted to make t-shirts that didn't say nade shot on it. I wanted it to be something like, I, I didn't want to wear work shirts with my name on it basically. Um, and he did also, he very briefly, uh, I, I should probably be remiss to even talk about this, but very briefly launched a Call of Duty team that again, Matt had no team. It was it was kind of just him and that, that was fairly unsuccessful. It was like very, very brief. And then right before we all came on and, and Dan invested, he did one merch drop, which was like um, basically, like a handful of fans had designed it, um, and it wasn't like wildly successful, but I think it it like showed a sign of like what could be possible,
0: yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Especially
1: around this idea of combining streetwear and, and gaming, and 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 the brand and the idea of Hundred Thieves. Um, and and then coming in, it was sort of like Matt's dabbled in these few different things. We have this super unfair advantage in that he has this massive audience, who's one desperate for him to get back into esports, but two. Really appreciates what he's done from the creator and, and, and lifestyle and frankly, the curation perspective, which I think really more than anything, when when people ask me, and we can talk more about this, but when people ask me about Matt's involvement in 100 Thieves, obviously, he's the CEO, obviously, at the end of the day, he's making all of the very, very important decisions across esports and content and everything. But at the end of the day, I think one of his superpowers is curation and being kind of like a creative director or a visionary around all the things that we do. Um, so in many ways, it was sort of us looking at all the things Matt had done. And, and really at the end of the day, 100 Thieves is apparel and lifestyle content in esports, which is what Matt's done his, his whole life. Um, so that was really kind of uh, what we ran with when we got started, even though the apparel certainly wasn't what it was we, he had, It hadn't been an esports team in, in a while. Um, and then the content piece was like, I think we had some ideas around, uh, but we weren't totally sure what it could be.
2: And when you started, because I feel like 100 Thieves in the form that it is now is... Um similar but also differentiated from other big orgs in the space and i think like one of the ways you guys really differentiate yourself is you're not fully leaning on this perception of your esports teams and that being the strength of the organization like i think people see hundred thieves and think of like a brand or the merchandise company or the content that you guys are creating the big brands you're working with when you started the four of you um what was that the vision like what were you were you trying to model hundred thieves off what you were seeing other big orgs in the space or was there always that goal to really make it something that didn't even necessarily exist at that point
1: it's interesting to like remember and i'm sure part part of my memory is even off but like this industry's changed pretty dramatically in the last three years and and i think um you've seen a number of us who who are kind of sitting at the top whether it's and credit where credit is due, Phase and NRG and G2 and TSM and Cloud9, like Liquid, like kind of in some ways converging on similar ideas, some ways doing things kind of our own way. Um, but I think for us at the time, at least, it definitely felt like the top esports teams, at least when you thought of them, were TSM was known in League of Legends for winning. Liquid outside yeah. of League of Legends was known for winning. Um, G2, I think, was just starting to kind of build a legacy of winning. Um, and obviously, that was part of what Optic was known for. but and I, I think Matt would forgive me in saying this. Matt was a good Call of Duty player. He wasn't the best, but he was certainly the the biggest and most popular because he understood that balance. And it was alongside playing with with Scump and those guys and being exceptionally great at at, at the competition side, along with bringing people into his world. Um, and I think that was really important for us from the from the onset. And I'll I'll be super clear. And this is kind of an ongoing thing with our fans all the time. Is like. We, we spend more money on esports than anything else. Winning in esports is super, super important to us. We've had some success. We haven't had as much success as we would like to. But on the onse- or on, on, on the flip, on the onset, we we looked at it and said, okay, can we build a brand and a team and something that people are going to love regardless of whether or not we're winning? And when we're winning, it's just like a supercharger. Um, yeah. But it's also something that, I, I don't know, I, I think I r- regretfully, we were like 10th place in League of Legends. And I think we were still the fourth most popular team in the league. And that, well, pissed us off a ton that we were last place. Like, I think that did f- help us feel a little bit like, okay, we're at least doing the right things on the brand side and the entertainment side so that as any sports team will, um, and over the long term, this will certainly be true. You'll have your very high highs and you'll have your low lows, but can we build something that's a little bit more of us? And, and in general, I think if you were going to build the Lakers or the Yankees or I don't know what the most popular team in Australia is, sorry, <laughs> most popular rugby team or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, if you were going to build any of those today, you wouldn't build it like they were built 50 or 100 years ago. And that's kind of how yeah. we tried to think. And, and again, I think some of the other really smart folks in the industry and smart teams view things similarly. And now it's I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of us have converged on these similar ideas across content and, and entertainment and, and esports.
2: Yeah, yeah, I feel like, Elliot, that's something you feel super passionately about with when you're thinking about orgs. I knew that was something you wanted to talk about before, the concept of success and how you measure oh, it. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I was I was trying to grace about this before we started. But I think this is always what I find so interesting with orgs because, like I was saying earlier, they're, they're this weird confusing thing whenever I look at them from the outside, right? And, uh, and I think it's... Uh, but, but I think what makes them cool and interesting is, you know, unlike traditional sports teams where it's kind of like, oh, like, this is how you measure success as a sport team. Like, what's your ticket sales on your home stadium? What's your, like, fan? Blah, blah, blah. How many games are you winning? All that kind of stuff. I think the interesting thing about esports is you can just see the breadth of ways people are trying to tackle it because... It's such a new industry right you know there's phase which probably you know obviously they definitely do invest in good teams and they do win but i would say the majority of the value in that brand is how they've kind of leveraged it across creators and it's almost more i would actually say definitely more on the lifestyle side of a brand with like esports kind of like as a part than esports with a little bit of lifestyle um so but but then on the flip side you got orgs like energy where it's kind of like they are big like they don't really have many just like you know creators tacked on that are just there you know to lift the profile they're like we're just going to get the biggest and the best gamers from Fortnite, all the different games and we're just going to try yep. and win and we're going to put them in a house but to their credit they've they've done a good job like with their Fortnite guys for example like oh yeah like their entire youtube, YouTube 100%. channel
1: is 100%. just clicks and ronaldo like yeah and, and that works too and yeah, that's yeah, still yeah. content so yeah 100%. i think their
2: youtube channels actually you can tell they're focusing on that like they just they just partnered yeah. with shot studios and they're, they're doing yeah. good on the i think that was down weird there. that was crazy
1: for, i know Sh- i know john shahidi from from years ago it was an interesting convergence of another kind of reminder of gaming
0: continue to be mainstream and, and i think that yeah that, that opens up a bunch of other questions around you know leveraging you know building orgs on creators and and the risks that that has versus building the brand itself um because obviously if those if those like big names are your brand and then those big names leave that's a big problem um Absolutely. but yeah i was just curious like from from your guys end because uh the thing that i've always found so interesting and i don't mean this in like a in a bad way at all actually i just find it quite interesting but like there's a lot of orgs out there that um you know like very few i would say with the exception of phase and maybe coming up at the moment uh energy that i would put on the same like brand value level as 100 thieves in terms of like how uh, maybe that's just in my circles but how like big the name is how well the brand's known you know if you were to say name an org off the top of your head it would probably be 100 thieves phase or energy for me personally like in terms of like the overall like biggest ones in the industry um and but but then like versus that if you go look at like you know the hundred thieves youtube channel which would be one way you could measure like that engagement and success its views would be comparatively like lower to certain other orgs that might not necessarily be considered as big so i was just curious from your guys yeah and like i've always found that interesting i'm like man that brand is just so huge but then you know the the different areas where it gets engaged it it can be very hard to measure i find for me i can like what's frustrating is uh, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling here, but I look at it. No, I, like, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I, I can look at a YouTuber and I can be like, "How big is that YouTuber? What do I do?" <laughs> I look at I look at their sub count, I look at their views per video, I look at their engagement, I, and I'm just like, "Okay, that is I can I can rank that here and here benchmark. Them. I can benchmark yep. it super easily yep. off the numbers. Hundred thieves. I look at and I'm like, if I would have ranked the brand, it's like up here. But then if you look at some things like YouTube views, they're like, okay, but then this smaller org would probably do better there. I don't know. I find it so confusing. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm super yeah, keen yeah. to hear, yeah, where it's, do you guys I manage fun, success?
1: Fundamentally, I like, it's hard to think of a business that is kind of at least like a consumer entertainment business that is like more multifaceted than some of these these brands are. Um, I think phase aside, phase, again, credit where credit is due. And especially given how, how long ago they started, they're, they're kind of an order of magnitude, at least in, in some areas bigger than most of the rest of us. But I, I, as in a different example, like I think we came in and like, in the first year, year and a half, we passed C9 and Liquid on YouTube, and it was like, oh wow, um, that that like that wasn't sort of what I expected. But on the flip side, like it it depends how you. I mean, Liquid's winnings across different esports is, is absurd, um, and I think there's like different trajectories. Or, like, how much do we, how much value do we put on like having the biggest Valorant streamer and player in Hiko versus like our YouTube viewership or our TikTok viewership or or, or whatever it might be. And I think. I, I don't know, I look at everything, and anytime we're smaller than anyone in any category whatsoever, I'm frustrated um so I think that's one way you measure it, which is like I don't know sometimes especially early on for us, it was easy to be like wow we're we've made so much progress because we're so new um and we're still fairly new we're we're not even really three years in, but on the flip side, I'm like, I don't really care that phase has been around much longer. like I want to be the biggest gaming brand in the world. that's the goal, so why are we why are we looking and being like oh we have we have this caveat' Um, on the flip side, I think there are a lot of ways to measure brand and, um, we're, we're a startup, we're trying to become a profitable, valuable business that, um, can, can hold value in a, in a ton of different ways. And like, uh, some of that is thinking about like, how are we growing our apparel business and how are we growing our, our media business in a way that it's not only huge and exciting, but also healthy. And it's like all of these trade-offs kind of fundamentally, I think at the end of the day we measure success by looking at one, our our core fans and the people who've been with us all the way, are they stoked and as happy as ever about 100 Thieves? Because that's super important. If we we abandon them, then what are we doing? And then two, are we inflecting and are we growing? So like sometimes people joke about the 15-year-old Fortnite kids or whatever. It's like, I look at those 15-year-old Fortnite kids and I'm like, how do I make them fans of 100 Thieves? And if we're not thinking about them, they're the future. And they're the next generation of fans. And like, we should absolutely be on TikTok. Not, we shouldn't be laughing at how TikTok's lame. We we should be thinking like TikTok is, TikTok's the future. That's where the next big creator is going to come from. Um, So it's more about trajectory than anything else. Um, Maybe even more so than like, how's C9 doing or how's TSM doing or how's FaZe doing. Um, And I think the the last thing I would say on on that note is like, we have certainly, especially in the last few, last year and a half, like we have really valued premium almost above anything else. So we're like, We've done no apparel collaborations. we've we cast a much wider net when it comes to creators and talent than I think probably phase does, for example. They take I, I don't know if this is fully accurate, but like more of a shotgun approach than we do. Um, and we're we're like very, very particular and, and candidly at, at at any given time I'm evaluating like should we be signing more talent? should we be kind of inflecting more? I think that the biggest thing for for Nate shot and myself is like at the end of the day, Hundred Thieves clearly, at least to our fans and people who are familiar, is really special. And like, how do we keep the lightning in the bottle while still growing it? Um, but if we if we just kind of went w- wide open to try to grow it, and we lost the luster or the or the fact that uh, the lightning was in the bottle, then I think I think we would have moved too far too fast. And I mean, it's like you look at any sorry, this is the end of my rant, but like totally different industry and 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 just singular in, in kind of the lifestyle and apparel side. But like Supreme was built over the course of fifteen years. It wasn't this like pump and dump rapid growth kind of thing. Um, And I think that's something we think about with with our apparel is like, we wanna grow it a lot. We wanna make more money, we wanna bring in new fans, but we also wanna make sure it's special for our our fans who do get it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 100%. I actually had this conversation I had this conversation a few months ago. I think, I think on the podcast, we must've been talking about a similar topic, Elliot, a couple months ago. And we were talking about, yeah, the value of orgs and, and what that says. And you could look at sort of less structured businesses or groups, um, you know, that might be getting more YouTube views, but the 100 Thieves brand really holds a lot of weight. And, and what is that? And, um, and this person that, works at one of the big um, brand agencies that represents some big brands. I think what they they actually they messaged me privately and they were saying what their perception is that Hundred Thieves is doing really well is that it's not necessarily that you guys are the biggest, but that you're crystal clear on what the brand stands for. And I remember you know, that chat, he was actually. saying he was saying I could, you know, if someone asked me like what is Hundred Thieves, I could off the top of my head, like name the things that I associate with Hundred Thieves. And it's like premium quality like you know those sort of words he's like whereas i think other some other orgs probably haven't been able to articulate as clearly what what they are necessarily which i think is like a huge probably underrated thing
1: i think it it, it is underrated on the flip side like and there are always gonna be those straight offs on the flip side like I want to be the biggest too. Like I, I don't really yeah. like I. Th- I I believe we can be the biggest and still have a super clear brand identity. And it's like you could probably go to some other brand who's bigger than us or, or is growing, that they have the opposite problem, which is like they're they got views out the wazoo. And uh, again, I, I hopefully it doesn't make it sound like we have no viewership. I think we're I think we're doing a pretty good job. But like at the end of the day, I again I don't want to settle for any, anything. S- Less than being the most relevant gaming related lifestyle brand in the world. And like I, I certainly don't even just look at things like FaZe or, or or TSM as competition. I look at kind of everybody in this space and I look at folks like Barstool as they think about gaming and over time totally. all of these brands, like I don't really care who it is. If they're doing anything smart in gaming, I am paying attention to them and I want to be better than them. Um yeah. but it is it is those trade offs like you said and, and I do feel glad that um, at least for the most part, I think we've made smart decisions around who are we as a brand and what does that mean and how do we make sure that continues?
2: Yeah. I think that's so interesting that you just mentioned Barstool because I feel like as gaming becomes more mainstream, you're not even like you'd be limiting yourself if you were just comparing yourself to other esports orgs. Like I think yeah. other media companies, I think like the Barstool model is fascinating. They're obviously like killing it right now. Um yeah, I think yeah, that, yeah. that makes Fascinating. a lot of sense. Fascinating. But but also a
1: brand, for example, that like has a, I would say, complicated brand identity at the very least. Definitely. Uh, and, like, and there's pros and cons to that. And they've they've opted into that. I think they're very deliberate. And I think yeah. more than anything, what's really important from a brand standpoint is like, who are we? Who are we trying to be? And are our, are our decisions consistent with that? So, so I
2: think in that, one, one question that I've seen come up a little bit as not not a criticism, but maybe a consideration is, and, and I think a lot of businesses face this problem when they have someone that's a big face of the organization and like in, in your guy's case, like Ned shot Matt. And I think, yep. um, you know, like a, an org like FaZe faces the same problem in some ways with someone like Banks, that sort of thing, where there's someone that is just inherently tied to when you think of 100 Thieves, you know, his face comes to mind as well, which can be amazing for having that initial growth. And, you know, you described it earlier as like you had a hack, like you had a cheat code to being able to find an audience quickly, but as you grow and like, as you're talking about how you're trying to build a sustainable business that has values that goes beyond, do you guys like curious? Because, you know, Elliot and I, we, we've done like the click channel before, which, which grew really rapidly and, and, you know, undoubtedly was because we had some huge names in, you know, Elliot and laser beam behind it. But it was something that we regularly thought about where it was like, how can we make sure that we're not just building something that's 100% reliant on yeah. one personality? And if something were to ever happen, like touch wood, I'm sure it won't, but even even if something weren't to happen you want to build a business that isn't I mean on Matt's one also person. not
1: going to be 2028 20, forever <laughs> and like being able to do it yeah absolutely so i think about this a few ways one i think part of it is it's kind of like unprecedented um, and you look across i mean like i had this framework for a long time which is like we have Nate Shot we have our Iron Man or Tony Stark or Bill Simmons or Howard Stern or or in the barstool case El Prez. And like, how do I build the cast of characters around him? How do I build the rest of the Avengers? And that was partly a mental model. But I think on the other hand, like these new kind of like digital, like what's lyrical lemonade, like without, uh, without like the front man, like any of these businesses, I think it's, it's hard. Um, on the flip side, I think you have like a, and not a perfect comp, but like jo- the Jordan brand with Nike, like Jordan for the average 10 year old kid today, like they never watch Michael Jordan play. I'm sure they know who he is, but like they're probably more interested in whatever I don't know the flagship the flagship athlete of Jordan is today. Um, and I think we think about things a little bit like that, which is at the end of the day, is Hundred Thieves going to be ever ever be able to like not com- somewhat linked to Matt? Probably not. Um, but I, I really hope that in a year or two or in five. There are other people, and I, I think this would probably be true with, with Valkyrie and Courage, for example, who have been with us for a while. Like, I'm sure there are fans of 100 Thieves who found us via Courage or Valkyrie, or even if they didn't, if you ask them their favorite creator and why they love 100 Thieves, they would say, it's it's Valkyrie, and I love watching her streams, and I love seeing her in the world of 100 Thieves and all these things. And I think the most important thing to, to, as, as part of that, and, and one of the things I think about almost every day is like, how do I build new stars within our world? who you get to like watch come up because at the end of the day, like, and I'm sure this is true for you, Elliot, like Matt's fans, some of them have literally been with him his entire trajectory. And like, they literally watched this kid go from 16 working at McDonald's to 28 CEO, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they were probably 10 when they started watching or whatever. And I think that that journey is something that's really, really special. Um, and that a, uh, certainly a brand like phase, I think has a leg up on, on us in many ways, just given how long they've been around. Um, and you can make the same case with TSM and Bjergsen or, or Andy, um, and in and a lot of these brands. And I think that that's something that's really important to me. And I think that's one of the ways that you build this kind of like generational fandom, so that like some kid who discovers Hundred Thieves on TikTok and watches Brook A B, and like that's how they get brought into our world. Like that's really important to me that we have more touchstones like that, um, and it's not just like. Uh, Matt, to his credit, I think is amazing. And I think when he gets excited about something, he, he really is exceptional. But And I think he would tell you the same thing. is like uh, he, He's not going to be able to stream every day or vlog every day or do whatever this is uh, forever. Um, and I think that's the only way you can do it. And, and I think Barstool has done that to, to some extent. We're finally starting to see some of these brands really have to. But like I'm sure this was the same question they thought about at Jordan um, when Michael yeah. was starting to yeah. like think about like, okay, I'm going to be out of basketball. I'm in this executive now, like who is the new face? You can't, you can only rest on your laurels forever or for some amount of time.
2: And you guys, like, even, even though you say, you know, you want to keep the, um, what, what was the phrase you used? The firework inside the bottle or something? Oh,
1: the lightning in the bottle. The lighting, the lighting in, in the, the bottle. bottle. I yeah. like
2: that. I'm gonna hold on to that one. <laughs> um, Have you not even though heard you're trying that to... before,
0: that's like a, I, don't, that's I think I've heard thing. it, but I
2: feel like it's just like really? none in my vocabulary. Maybe it's an
1: American
0: expression. Nah, nah, I've I definitely feel like heard it's pretty it. common. I've definitely yeah. heard that.
2: I've heard oh, it, but I feel, like I, feel like, like I like it. I like I like it. I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm gonna use Perfect. it.
0: Perfect. <laughs> okay, before before we before we move on out of out of the like yeah, I guess like like hundred thieves like operation plans thing i'm just super curious like like uh, because i I love getting people's thoughts on this because ever since it happened with overwatch i i I can't stop (laughs) thinking and talking to people about it i had some really interesting chats to andy about it when he was on the podcast you know getting his thoughts on overwatch league and cod league and what energy was doing with all of that but
2: careful, Elliot, because we had some controversial. We did. Oh my god, we got out. we got we got
0: Andy in trouble, being like Andy <laughs> abandons Overwatch. It's like no, he was he was. Yeah, I have to be careful courses. what I say. No, no, no. But but I guess I guess uh, I guess yeah. I, I'm just very curious because I think it's it's interesting. I think obviously it's not that it hasn't been done uh, in this direction before, trying to you know create leagues similar to traditional sport, um, but it probably hasn't been done as rigidly as what blizzard uh, activision is trying to do with overwatch and cod where it's kind of like those locked franchise names with the heavy buy-ins and all that kind of thing yep. um yep. yeah like that 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 model do you do you think that that's the f- where esports is going do you think it's a little bit heavy-handed do you think that you know the value justifies the cost right now um so i i, I won't comment on the
1: economics as much because because i think it's been discussed a lot and and I mean, we we, we made the decision we made for a bunch of reasons. That said, we did do Riots League uh, for League of Legends. So what I will say is that I made a comment earlier about, like, if you were going to make the—if you're going to build the Yankees or the Lakers today, I don't think you would build it how they were built back then. Um, And I think if you look at the—I know uh, one of the guys who—or the guy who runs marketing of the Lakers and, like— to his credit, I think he's looking at a lot of people in digital and evolving that brand. And I think they've, they've in the NBA more broadly, has, has been really, really savvy. It's cool to see like NBA players vlogging in the bubble and all this stuff. Um, I think there are clearly metaphors from the world of sports that make a ton of sense. Um, even the franchise idea, from a team perspective, ideally makes a ton of sense. There's differences there in that we don't. Own League of Legends or the 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 LCS, we're a partner, but it's pretty different when Riot owns the game, um, and that's kind of always going to be a fundamental problem. For I don't want to call it a fundamental problem. It's always going to be uh, something very critical of note when it comes to esports, unless the teams collectively develop a game or or, or whatever else. Um, but on the on the other hand, I think a lot about okay, clearly a, a city is a really easy way to build a fan base you could even call it a crutch. And I think with sports, there was a very obvious reason to build it around a city and that you're Mm. literally having this huge arena and you're having people attend and local broadcast rights for things like baseball, like all that makes a ton of sense. And I don't think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that tying yourself to a city is inherently a problem for esports, but I think it is a bit of a crutch. And I, I think what's been really interesting to watch, and we're, we're obviously not really the pioneer in this, this is happening with Really, since kind of phase and optic and, and team liquid and evil geniuses years and years ago, is like they had to figure out new ways to build community and brand on the internet, yeah, without relying on that crutch. And I think that that's led to a ton of innovation. And now, yeah, the esports documentary series is pretty overplayed, and a lot of the stuff kind of everyone's doing. Um, but I do think if phase got if phase or optic 10 years ago got to be the Chicago optic or the LA phase or whatever. I think they probably would have innovated less. Um, And I do think constraints or or, um, necessity is the mother of all invention. Um,
2: And I I do think
1: constraints that uh, really allow you to kind of do novel things. And like it would be cool to be tied – I think in many ways we are tied to LA. It's where we're based. It's where our office is, where Nadeshot is. But on the other hand, like we have fans in London and we have fans all over the US and all over the world. And I love that about our brand is that it isn't – just a kind of like and yeah you could be a Manchester United fan or a Chicago Cubs fan if you don't live there but I think yeah I think there is something about this kind of global,
0: global I, idea I, I think that's what's always been so interesting to me about it and, and not in a way where I'm like I understand esports everyone else is an idiot um but but I think that's what's always interested me is I feel like a lot of the people uh very high up in the decision making chain you know the execs at um Activision and all these big companies I I do feel like there's an element there of the kind of like the old guard like that's the way that they understand things are done through to through traditional sport and it, and it, to a degree it's always been a little bit confusing nonsensical to me the way that they've done it with uh you know with like the the team base the city-based teams like you were saying because to me what makes um you know like like number one half the time players for these certain teams Aren't even from that country, let alone that state, let alone that city. So <laughs> certainly an like, Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, certainly an Overwatch. You've got like people from, you know, like Korea and China and Europe yeah. playing for the Chicago team. And, the London
1: Spitfire, all Korean. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think it's more. It's just a testament to trying to force uh, kind of geographical constraints and. And fandoms onto something that doesn't necessarily fit that. And I think I've always talked about this a lot in regards to Australian esports when um, yeah. I'm talking to Australian companies about Australian esports. And I'm kind of like, don't get me wrong, we've got some great esports teams here. But I'm fundamentally like, I don't believe that, like, any, or, you know, like, almost all teams uh, in Australia are really gonna ever struggle and orgs will really struggle to get to where these big American European orgs are is because. To be honest, like outside of some very niche games that happen, there isn't that much like nationalism in esports. Like, I feel like people aren't like, go team America. Like, you know, Australia, I feel like maybe it happens occasionally when we get one of our teams into a huge org. Because obviously we want, you know, back the Aussies.
1: We we definitely brought on a bunch of Australian fans with our
0: RCS team. But even so, it's not dominant. But like, but but at the same time, like within Australia, Australian esports, no one wants to watch like Sydney versus Melbourne because they don't want to watch the 48th best CS team versus the 73rd <laughs> yeah. best CS team. Yeah. They want to watch the first versus the second or the, anyone in the top five. And I think yeah. that- Which it's, they can do. They which just they can do on online. Twitch. Yeah, at and, any time. And, and watching it online, it, it, watching the, the first and the second best team versus each other online is the same experience as watching the 50th and the 70th. It's just the gameplay quality is different and you're watching a higher yeah. level of play. Yeah. And I think that it's so- it's just weird to me that they're trying to force uh you know like such like like really defining the teams by geographical boundaries you know it's the chicago blah blah whereas it's like it's like can you
2: tell that elliot gets triggered over this? (laughs) oh i get so triggered i just the whole
0: system really frustrates me but and i and i can't wait to to hopefully be proven wrong but um but but yeah just those geographical boundaries and the way that they're trying to get yeah, really kind of like shelf it into that when i'm like this is the digital space this is online this is yeah. like the whole the whole reason that this exists is to go against those kind of geographical boundaries and yeah, I, I don't know it, i've i've always found it interesting but i and i definitely don't think it's black and white obviously i think we've we've for a
1: few reasons not opted into the the very regional based Activision leagues. I don't, I don't think those guys are idiots. I think they're doing it very deliberately. I think there are pros and cons to it. I think it also makes it much easier to sell to traditional sports owners who understand that metaphor and everything else
2: Absolutely. on the flip side.
1: Like there, there, I, I think in many ways this stuff does matter in esports, but it needs to develop naturally in like in yeah. League of Legends, for example, like it's a huge deal when North America plays Europe or North America plays Korea and they all root for North America uh, at the world championship. Um, But even then, the North American teams are like 60% imported players anyway. And it's – so I I, I do think it's like I love how global esports is. I also love how local communities are forming around it. But I think that the best part about the internet is that communities don't have to be constrained by – Real world metaphors. So yeah, you could have a community around LA, but you could also have a community around I don't know your Discord, being being music fans or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like, and I I think that that's that's magical, and I really hope we don't lose that in just trying to say like, yep, esports is the future of sports. Like, so yeah. let's just copy and paste everything.
0: I think that point you made is is quite interesting. So I think that's something I always think about in regards to esports is um. About uh, the the city based leagues being easier to sell to, to, to traditional team owners because obviously a lot of the people that own the Overwatch League and the COD League teams are people from those like those big basketball you know baseball or NFL franchises yeah. Yeah, who yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted to get into esports and I think and I guess that's that's an interesting thought is are are there certain like bad habits so to speak that aren't necessarily. Uh, in the long-term best interests of yeah. esports that are currently being adapted by Blizzard Activision or companies like them because they know that to get the funding to make the orgs happen, it's a lot easier to go to one of these millionaire billionaires that own these teams and be like, hey, you know that baseball team? It's it's that, but it's gaming. And you've heard about hey, Bob gaming. Hey, Craft, and you own the Patriots. Here's the Boston. A hundred percent. It's like, it's, it's just, it's removing as many barriers as possible. And I think it, what's extra interesting is we see that a lot in... Um, in the australian space with advertising you'll get um you know like we can go to mcdonald's or any big brand and be like hey guys like we've got these creators they'll give you a reach of over like you know a million australian eyeballs absolutely huge reach uh this would be the budget and they'll be like oh oh no 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 no, we can't do that but meanwhile you'll get uh like a someone will pitch like a a miniature like uh esports tournament league concept to them which esports is obviously a bit of a buzzword And like within Australia, especially where we're still catching up on everything. And, and the, and they're like, okay, okay. Esports, you've, you've got me now, now, now just, you know, just pull it in. And they're like, so think the cricket sponsorship you do, but video games they're like yep. we love yep. it we love yep. spending money yep. on cricket let's do it let's yep. do it let's go five hundred thousand dollars whereas you're then... gonna
1: pull more viewership on your stream than that esports match I, like that
0: I, tournament will get by like a factor not, of
2: a hundred i have seen
0: <laughs> i have seen at what i factually know to be six figure sponsorships like over a hundred thousand dollars sponsorships on uh these little like like tournaments that i reckon might be pulling less than a hundred concurrent viewers less yep. than a hundred, like 50 yep. people watching this stream, huge like McDonald's branding all over it. Um, but they can get the budget sign off because it's something that these like, uh, which traditional media and marketing understands a lot easier. So well, and those people aren't easier. watching
1: this stuff They they just need to be told a story. Right. And yeah. I, I think that like, candidly, this is something we've spent a ton of time and I'm sure other folks like us and in, in people like you have is like the content creators. I mean, like, you, you look at the numbers. Esports is this tiny speck in the field of gaming entertainment. And like, I don't think that makes esports not great. I think esports is awesome and it's going to continue to growing, but like go look at Minecraft content on YouTube. Like this is a totally different ball game. And I think sometimes the stories around that type of stuff, especially the advertisers and partners yeah, aren't as, um, there's less crutches to rest on. And frankly, there's just less great storytelling around it. And that's like yeah. what, what we're doing. And we're basically pitching to our partners. is We're saying like, we're going to give you sports and modern digital entertainment and this lifestyle. And it's like this totally new idea. And I think the upside is that when you tell it story, well, it's great. There's a ton of upside. The problem is it's just like, it's like getting people it's in the same when I meet somebody at a bar, it's like, what do you do? It's like, uh, I mean, I, I could talk about the esports part of it, but that's only a small piece of even what hundred thieves is. And it, it yeah. literally takes 10 minutes to even explain. And I think it's imagine that with a 50 year old, brand agency person or, or the McDonald's CMO or whatever it might be. I
2: think it's exciting. I think it's super exciting that we're even facing these challenges right now because it shows how much the industry still has to grow. Like the space for what we're going to be doing in like five years, 10 years from now in the same industry. It's just like, we're not even, we're not even nearly there. We're like at the baby, baby, baby stages of like how this is going to, out. That, Meanwhile, we have like... people
1: who've been doing this for ten years or twenty years, which is it's it's this weird dichotomy where we're like we're in inning two, but also like this isn't totally new. Uh, yeah. It 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 like in the grand scheme, I'm I'm two and a half years in, and I'm basically a novice when it comes to esports yeah. uh, in terms of like years of experience. And I think that that's this yeah. also cool thing, which is like, yeah, we've made a lot of progress, but like you said, oh my gosh, there's so much room to grow.
2: So on that, you're two and a half years in. You guys have gone, yeah, what feels like from zero to 100 really quick, even though you've still kept the, the what was it, the firework in the bottle? What
1: the lightning saying? in the, the, bottle. the bottle. The lightning I in the I, bottle. The I can't believe you've never heard that expression. Okay. <laughs> <You've> <laughs> I should have just taken credit. You've kept the lightning in the bottle.
2: You've gone really fast. Is there anything, what have been the biggest challenges? Because growing a company like that even just with the amount of people that you're bringing on is not easy like is there anything if you could go back to two and a half year like two and a half years ago to jackson then any advice you would give yourself or, or things you think the team would approach differently
1: so one caveat we're actually i just looked at the calendar in september so we're actually almost three years which is this whole year is a, a, a blur um right. <laughs> Couple things to come Hold to me, to come to mind. This is this has less to do with actually like success building, but more just like I think would be good for me and the team to know, which is like really, really celebrate the wins and celebrate the amazing moments and like don't take them for granted. Um, we had like a ton of success in our first year and it, was, it felt like nothing could ever go wrong. And like we we did really well in esports right on the onset and all this stuff. And like I think it's easy to just. In, in the same way like you'll do I don't know we'll work for 3 months on bringing in a new content creator and then when they come in in the video and all every all the fans are so excited I'm kind of like on to the next thing and I think like yeah. it really and this is probably advice for anyone not just uh not just what we do. but I think that's really important I think um really being for, so two other notes on the company side and the culture side I think we went from what we'll, three people in November of 2017 to depending on how you count like 40 to 80 with full-time employees and then players and everything else. And I think one of the things that I definitely take for granted given that I've been here the whole time is like when new people come in they don't see it. They don't have the full context that I see. Um and I think anytime you're building an organization, you're adding people, like you're building culture, like really making sure you go above and beyond to like bring people into the world and like connect the dots for them and communicate and like that kind of stuff because I think yeah, it's like stuff's obvious to me because I have two years of history and context, whereas mm. – um, so that's one. And then the other would just be – I touched on this earlier, which is like there's this really, really fine line between keeping the lightning in the bottle and then also like not saying no to everything and being curmudgeon Um And I, I think if I could change one thing – we've done a lot of amazing stuff. We have a lot of amazing stuff in the works. I might say yes a little bit more. And that's kind of one of the the core gut check things I'm thinking a lot about now is like, why can't we do X or why can't we, I don't know, be this much bigger than we are if we, if we said yes to something. Um, Yeah. And, and that alongside with just being like willing to really kind of push the boundaries and, and sort of like open up the box and say like, why can't we be X? Like for a while, maybe we thought ourselves is like a little too much just in esports and apparel. And it's like, this entertainment piece is wide open i i think we've done fairly well i don't think we've blown it out of the the park by any means and it's like that's what i'm thinking about now which is like how do i get to a point in a year where i'm like holy Holy cow! We we had knew, we knew nothing uh, uh, a year ago or six months ago, and yeah. I think that comes from being willing to kind of like take risks and say yes to kind of like crazier ideas and, and stuff like that. And yeah, and I, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing. that I I wish I had known three years ago.
2: And you guys have done some pretty crazy fundraising over the past couple of years, <laughs> like not super insane, recently, but yeah,
1: the first year and a half. Insane
2: so. numbers and insane names to those numbers. You've had. People like Scooter Braun, who's one of my own personal, like, you know, people I look up to in the industry. Yeah. Drake, of course, was like the huge one. How how did that come together? How did that feel when you know these there was ink on the paper? Like, did it was it still was it mind blowing or did it feel like relief? Like it was, you know, the sort of culmination of some huge executed plan that had taken months. Yeah. What was that like?
1: Yeah, um, a few things here. One, I want to be careful how much credit I take. I I think most of our fundraising was was mostly Matt and John, and I I got to be involved in a few things with with people like Scooter and and feel really fortunate, but credit where credit is due on those guys. Um, Second, as a former investor, I think one of the lessons I learned fairly early on is fundraising is not success. Um, Fundraising is a means to an end. And can absolutely be something that's worth celebrating having achieved. But if it if it is your success barrier, um, you're looking at things the wrong way. So I think for us, we had to fundraise right off the bat, given League of Legends was ten million dollars. Um mm-hmm. and that was that was part of kind of me coming in. Um I mean, I joined the company and we we closed our fundraiser round from Dan like the next month. Um and then from there, John basically for the first year, like spent half of his time fundraising. Um and that culminated in first the round with Scooter and Drake, uh, and then later our Series B. And in many ways, that was basically saying, can I get us to the point where we can just focus on building and executing versus having to do this fundraising game? Um, Because again, the esports ecosystem is complicated where you have some teams like TSM or Cloud9 or Faze who've been around for a long time and already had pretty significant revenue. On the other hand, you have, brands that are literally just like East, uh, NFL or basketball owner hedges. And there's not they're not trying to be profitable. And there's kind of not an unlimited money stream, but definitely a money stream. Um, and for us, it was like, our goal isn't to raise $100 million. Our goal is to become a sound, hyper growth and eventually profitable business that we can control our own destiny with. So as much as we've had amazing partners and Scooter and Drake and our Artist Capital at our Series B and so many other folks, Dan's team, have really been amazing partners in helping us build the business. And that's why I feel fortunate we we have who we have and not just blind, dumb money. Um, at the end of the day, the reasons we've been successful wasn't because we fundraised. It was because, frankly, we we got through the fundraising piece and then we got to focus on building. And I think that's that's where we're at now and why we raised so much is that we could have a longer period to say, okay, we control our own destiny. How are we going to build what we want to build? And we don't have to worry too much, at least about, doesn't mean we have, sorry to all, all my League of Legends or Counter, Counter-Strike or Valorant fans or whatever, we don't have $10 million a year to spend on an individual player, um, but we have enough to be able to do what we want to do on the esports side. We have enough to make bold investments on the entertainment side. We have enough to run our apparel, but like all these things. Um, and I think that's just, that's, that's more than anything how I feel about it. I mean, am I going to tell you when we first met with Scooter and then he like, called drake's business manager and brought him in the next day like we weren't like oh my god this is crazy uh yeah we were um, is that what happened yeah <laughs> yeah scooter came over and uh he's like you know what would be great for this drake hold on yeah yeah okay future's gonna come tomorrow it was the craziest thing i've ever seen who um, can
2: do that <laughs> scooter Braun. uh and, and and
1: to his credit like he is in terms of someone who could be really, really bad. I mean, everyone has, Dan's team especially, but like, especially for pop culture and entertainment, like he's been amazing, but at the end of the day, scooter as a partner is going to help us build our business and part of that is capital part of that is expertise but i was gonna we have to build i was gonna it.
0: say i actually think interestingly the most valuable part about getting someone like uh like that that investment around like once again don't know all the numbers behind it but i think definitely the value that just being like oh yeah like you know even if it was um you know like it, it no matter how passive it is just being like oh yeah drake is like you know put something into 100 things, you know, whether or not that was like that much money or mainly clout or whatever it is, it's still like, oh, okay. That's like a cool little seal of, uh, seal of approval. And I got the, uh, yeah. I had, I had Nate shot told me the, uh, the story of getting the photo, which was very funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, wait,
2: share the story, share the story.
0: Oh, it was just like, I mean, like it was, it was just saying how, you know, when he went over, cause I think he, they took it over at Drake's house and, you know, walking in and how there, there's like the Drake songs where he talks about having like, uh, like phones in talkies. every room yeah. and the walkie talkies in every room. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, it was like clocking the walkie talkies in every room. And I think. Shut though, up. But I think, but I think, uh, I think, I think Drake was like super busy that day. So it was literally like, he was like out on his like basketball court with like half, you know, the, the, um, Vancouver, like, uh, uh not vancouver is it toronto, toronto? raptors toronto, toronto toronto my god my canadian cities um yeah he was like he was out playing basketball with some of the toronto guys and like and like came and was like hey dude there, great to meet you like bam took the photo and then like went back out to play basketball again <laughs> but like but obviously well, he's a like, busy man oh he's my god doing... that's what i mean like but that, but like i you just be there you'd be like oh hi Drake, for, huh, what the fuck just happened you know like yeah. i'd be like i'd yep. be like i'd be like holy crap that was cool um that was but, that was a high flying high and
1: fast moment for sure i think for, oh, for yeah. all of us for a little while but at the end oh. of the day it was also like okay this is great but like why did drake invest why is he co-signing this whatever it is like it's so we can build something great um and i think yeah. that's that's why i harp on that is i think a lot of people think of like oh you raised five million dollars like woo like success and it's yeah. like no that means you get to start
2: yeah now you got to do the work yeah yeah um yeah, exactly i think i think you're right though elliot or like the the point part of the point you were touching on i think around it's not just the money that's coming in but i'm sure and like it'd be interesting to like hear it from you how much you know the expertise of the people that have invested in 100 thieves has helped guide the path for you guys like the value that just comes you know not from the amount of money that someone like scooter Braun's investing but his insight and experience and relationships and that sort of thing and how that can provide like a guiding North Star for you guys?
1: Yeah, I I think both for for investors and and people at our company, like at the end of the day, building a great company is about assembling amazing people um, and being really savvy about like how do I assemble the right complementary strengths? So like the way for an investor's standpoint, just for an example, it's like, okay, we have Dan and his team. And they certainly understand, I mean, one, just pure capital, but also they understand building businesses. They understand sports. They understand these different dynamics. And then for our series A, it was like, okay, we understand most of this pretty well. Um, We have kind of the gaming eSports thing on lock with Nadeshot. Uh, Maybe not on lock, but we we know it pretty well. Um, John and me had the kind of the digital and and venture and, and investing perspective. And it was like, we really need to understand entertainment well um, and pop culture and these things, and that was really the on, the onus for for bringing those guys on is like, and and not to belittle Drake and Scooter Braun, they're they're good at a lot of things, but I think particularly for what they could bring to the table for us, it was that. Um, and and in the same way with our team, it's like we've we've been fortunate to kind of assemble this unique group of some really great people from within esports and gaming, some really great people from totally outside of that world. Um, and the the commonality is that people are hungry and really thoughtful and smart and collaborative. Um, and I think in the same way, if we had only brought people who had ever only worked in esports, or if we had only hired a bunch of suits from outside of esports, I don't think we would have been as successful. And the same thing with the the investment side is like trying to build this kind of complimentary dream team um, that goes back to one of the things I, I said at the very beginning, which is I think any great entrepreneur or creator or, or anyone um, really understands, okay, what am I great at? How do I lean into those things? And then how can I have an amazing team that does the other stuff? And I think Matt, to his credit, really did do that kind of and has done that over the whole trajectory of 100 Thieves um, so that he doesn't... It, it There's no point of doing things you're bad at. Um, I think sometimes people over-index too much on that. And yeah, you don't want to have glaring omissions, but like if you're not good at something, don't spend a ton of time on it. Find someone great at it and focus on what you're great at.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually... I think that's... Just interestingly, you know, looking at YouTube generally, I think the biggest thing that uh, the biggest I mean, like, I guess I would see it as a mistake, but I guess, you know, everyone's different is um, is the difference. And, and I think the people who ultimately succeed the most are the people who are willing to actually, um, you know, invest the most in or sorry sorry actually uh well, not necessarily invest the most financially but investing in other people recognizing where you're kind of because uh, i think obviously as youtubers like youtube is something that we do all by ourselves most of the time and we can very and you very much do that most people started their channels recording doing all their own editing maybe they bring on an editor in the future to kind of help with that and that would pretty much be where they'd end up but i think the biggest mistake i see a lot of people making when they want to do new businesses or um you know kind of like actually create something big and something new is like a re- there's a real reluctance i feel like with most youtubers to actually uh cede any level of control or ownership <laughs> yeah. or um or, or give anything away even uh, you know it's it's really i think a lot of us struggle with that mentality of uh, it's much bigger to have a smaller slice of a bigger pie than the whole pie if that pie is tiny you know I, yep. and i think um Yeah, I think the people you see really, really succeed are people like Nature, where they've gone and they've been like, you know what? I have all these strengths. I know how to build a brand. I know how to be a good tastemaker. But fundraising and all this and that and that and that are are things that ultimately I I don't know how to do. And uh, and ultimately being able to, you know, kind of seed some of that ownership, give away some control, take the hands off a little bit. And actually that's what's allowed it to grow so quickly. And I think... um, I think the people that that are able to kind of accept that, yeah, you can make YouTube videos and do it all yourself, and that's awesome. But ultimately, at a certain point, you do need some element of, you know, what I'm going to work with people here, and I'm going to, uh, you know, actually try and, you know, kind of pair up with the people who have the expertise that I need uh, to kind of build something huge and build something bigger. They're the ones that end up actually making the real kind of industry changing kind of moves. Yeah. You, I mean, you can't do it all
1: alone. But on the flip
0: side, you, you nailed it, and you know this way better than I do
1: is like giving up control of your baby in this thing that is so distinctly you and yeah. then you're like is your taste. Like, I don't, I can't speak to that. I, I, I think Matt has done a good job of it, and I think other creators have too. Um, But I also know huge YouTubers who are still like, I got to do it myself because yeah, this is totally. my
2: thing. Yeah. I think, I think it's like part of growing a business though, as well. Like, it's it's been a challenge, I think. Like, I've faced building click. I think when you're, you know, like a little bit of a perfectionist or you want things to be done a certain way or you've had the experience of doing them for a while and you come on and have someone new, Yeah. you know, of course no one's going to be able to do it necessarily as well as you have if they've never done it before. And it can be tempting to have that like, well, I'll just do it because I want it to be done, you know, the way that I know it should be done. But... <laughs> it it's really like you're you know you're limiting yourself ultimately because you're never going to be able to grow and you're not going to be able to help develop other people and I think it's a it's a challenge but it's definitely yeah for youtubers something that is inherent because I think you put so much of yourself into a channel
1: yeah yeah it's not like it's not like you, I don't know, you're building some company that like is kind of you, but not real. like that. That's, and I, I think that'll be a big question as more and more people start to think about kind of like, this is my identity online and I'm creating something with it or whatever. Is like, how do you, how do you relinquish any of that? And, and again, I, I, I can't speak to it directly, but I have to imagine it would be very, very hard to say like, I'm going to let someone else control this thing that is me.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. So we're almost out of time. The sun has nearly covered my entire
1: face. (laughs) (laughs) I I overlooked this. Sorry.
2: When you think about the next two to three years for Hundred Thieves, where do you see the biggest opportunities?
1: Uh, Barring a life changing esport that has the popularity of soccer or football, uh, fingers crossed. Franchise dynamics that are perfectly in, in line with uh, with us. They give us skins in the game. We make millions and millions of dollars. Barring that happening, which 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 might but probably won't. Uh, I think personally, I'm focused on on the entertainment side of our business and the content creator side of our business. Um, I think we're in, and that's more due to personnel than anything. We have a, we have a great head of esports. We we have a great uh, head of apparel who who I've kind of passed on those duties and um, been fortunate to have a much bigger team now and, and now i'm focused really on um what we were talking about earlier barstool and the other esports teams that are relevant and how do we how do we build gaming superstars um i think there's still tremendous opportunity there and also the lines between gaming and pop culture and everything on that end um i think a little bit about and this probably it doesn't make as much sense on the two to three year time horizon and probably a little longer but I think a lot about virtual spaces in general and how gaming like there's one version of a paradigm of like, okay, gaming went from like you buy a box and you play the single player RPG and then you're done with it after however many hours. And there was world of Warcraft and you pay this subscription and you play this game and you put all this time into this game. And now there's Fortnite and league of legends, which is a free game that anyone can play and you can dive in and spend all this time in this world. And then you look at what direction Fortnite's going or things like Roblox or Minecraft, or even like animal crossing, which is a weird comp there. It's like, none of those things are even really about winning or competition. They're just virtual spaces where people spend time. Mm. Um, and I think a lot about like, how can we be a part of those spaces as they emerge, whether it be as an identity brand or a fashion brand, or it's watching sports in those places, or it's entertainment in those places. And I think we'll see a lot of innovation in that that vein soon. Um, again, I don't know how soon, but I think if you look at how Tim Sweeney talks about Fortnite and, and their plans at totally. epic. I think it's very clearly in line. Roblox is really the market leader. It's I think we talk about it less cuz it's a demographic quite a bit lower. It's it's like mostly yeah. like kind of like 12 13 year olds and below. Um but that to me is like that's really what like when everyone's a gamer, it will be because of that. Cuz like think about all the amount, the amount of people that played Minecraft I mean uh, Animal Crossing this this spring that had like that aren't gamers at all I mean Kendall Jenner is posting her playing Minecraft or Animal Crossing on her switch and I think like that is that is something I think so 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 much about and and there's probably a long time between where we are and what I'm talking about even there and then eventually the virtual worlds of VR and and everything else but more and more kids are I I I came home from school and hung out in AIM and like kids today hang out on Fortnite or they or they hang out on Discord or whatever Yeah,
2: makes me like excited even talking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of the Internet. Like
1: that's the coolest. The Internet is about it goes back to the city based thing. But like the Internet at the end of the day is about meeting people in your little corner of the world, in your niche and like who are like minded, like the things that you like. And I think gaming is clearly a super strong vehicle for that. And eventually gaming will actually be the playground for that. Uh, we talked yeah. about it
0: super briefly last week, but I thought it was so interesting that uh, Fortnite, in their court case with Apple, when they were trying to file for the uh, injunction to get it unblocked, their argument was that Fortnite is a social media platform. Like, that's how they try. and Undeniably, is. Obviously- yes. Yeah. But like the judge the judge the judge didn't buy it and I actually said that I think that even though I think they're they're getting there and they're moving that way, I don't Mm. think they're quite there yet where they could actually argue that in court. But I think it's very telling as to what they're really trying to do. They're trying to create like Just go look
1: at the companies they buy. I mean, they bought House Party, if you guys are familiar with that app, which is like a social video product. They bought all of these like avatar products and everything. There's this great tweet um, from Tim Sweeney uh, at the end of last year where somebody asked him if Fortnite's a platform. And he said under the definition that like a platform is something where the majority of content consumed is not created by the the developer, but by users. And Tim said, not today, but come back and ask me in a year. And I think that's like so clearly. Yeah.
0: But on the flip side,
1: like that's kids, kids are hanging out on Snapchat and Instagram and they're hanging out on Fortnite and Fortnite's more synchronous and more. So
2: when we were at the Fortnite World Cup last year, we were talking to some of the Epic guys and they were they were saying how they were just, you know, one of the early signs that was leading them down that path was noticing that kids were literally getting on Fortnite and just hanging out and talking with their friends in yeah. the lobby. Like yeah. not even playing, yeah. they're yeah. just hanging out in the lobby and i i just think yeah i think it's it's so cool like this whole conversation just makes me not excited all the concerts all the cinematic
1: events riot does this stuff they do i mean like riot had a literally a K a a k-pop band that they created out of their character like this stuff is and i think speaking of being early innings like this stuff is just only really starting to emerge and i think the next two three probably a little longer five years like everything's going to look so different, which is, it's exciting to be in gaming.
2: 100%. There's so, and there's just so much space, you know, there's so much you can learn online about the whole space right now for free. Like you can literally have Twitter and learn so, you can have so much insight into everything. Like, you know, I, I get quite a lot of emails a week of people wanting work experience or asking how they can get into the industry. And I think like a lot of, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, um, are people that are super interested in the industry or trying to get into it, and I feel like it's just such an exciting time to be in that space. And like the amount of information that's free, like if you follow Tim Sweeney on Twitter <laughs> or you on Twitter or or Blake, like I've never met Blake, but for some reason I'm following on Twitter and he's always posting insightful things. Like people are just there's so much free knowledge out there right now that people can take and yeah, yeah it's, it's just cool. like, you can quickly become an industry expert in this growing space. Anyway. Well, screw
1: Twitter, just watch this podcast, first of all. But but <laughs> you're, it, like, if you have curiosity, I mean, that's, the amount of information that we have today that for a, I don't know, a 10 year old kid with an internet connection in India is greater than a Harvard professor in 1985. And like, that is, we don't really think about it because we're watching Fortnite. As we probably should be, <laughs> but like the amount of information out there, if, if you have a curiosity, is 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 pretty awesome to to be able to dive into. Yeah, hundred percent,
2: hundred percent. All right, I think that's a really good place to leave it, cool. Jackson. Thank now you. Now that you so can't, my, my
1: face is scattered with. <laughs> uh, we, we picked a good uh, time. About, yeah, yeah. The sun is setting to my blinds.
2: We're working across three different time zones with um, Jackson in LA. I'm in Toronto, and Elliot's in Sydney. Oh, you're in so Toronto. I didn't even realize yeah I th- oh yeah. cool
1: cool 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 um well um, hey guys this has been really 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 fun thank you so much for having me on and i enjoyed the chat uh, a lot yeah likewise so good
2: yeah loved it all right cool. thank you guys for watching this week's episode remember to subscribe if you're watching on youtube and follow us and rate and review if you're listening on apple or spotify five
1: stars five and... stars
2: <laughs> five stars we'll see you guys next week bye-bye
0: bye-bye